Hello and welcome. It's This Is Going Well, I Think, with David Cooper, and I am your host, David Cooper. It's This Is Going Well, I Think, the show where no one's listening. No one cares. The show where every episode's the last episode. All right, if you've been paying close attention, you'll know I've been working on demos and shit, but those are all finished, so we are back. Aliens, are we alone? Well, one Harvard astronomy professor thinks that he has found evidence of an alien spacecraft. What is that evidence? We're about to dig in with a cultural history professor from Humber College in Toronto, Canada. He's an expert in aliens, an expert in conspiracy theories, and he's the host of a fantastic podcast called The Uncover Up. Check it out if you got a moment. But today's guest, his name is Nathan Radke. Cue the music, person who cues the music, and that is me. So I'll do that right now. Nathan, 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 thank you as ever for being here. Well, thanks for having me on. So, I'm excited about this story, mostly because I've learned a new word. It is spherules, spherules, spherulian. The more we say it, the less I'm sure that we're saying it correctly. Spherules. Spherules. I think I got it. Is that the most exciting thing for the story we're about to talk to? Probably not. A Harvard astronomy professor, a little bit better than a Harvard astrology professor, has what he thinks is evidence of something that I hope you're excited about, if only to trash it for being bad evidence or if it's good evidence for what it all means. Yeah, let's talk about interstellar visitors, which is something I'm always happy to talk about. And and by interstellar visitors, I mean objects that have flown past or impacted into the Earth that have their origins outside of our solar system. Now, the first one we knew of was called Oumuamua. Uh, You might remember that one. It was a cigar-shaped object about 400 meters long, whipped past us at like 200,000 miles an hour, looped around the sun, and then went back out into deep space in 2017. And it was such an odd shape, and it was moving at such a speed that there was some discussion about whether this Oumuamua might have been an alien spacecraft. But now it turns out that we had an earlier interstellar visitor back in 2014, and instead of flying past us, it crashed right into us. Wow, this is the real Roswell? Well, sort of. I mean, every time we hear interstellar, we, of course, think aliens. But it might not be the case here, because what happened was, so in January 2014, there was a beach ball-sized object, partially burned up in the atmosphere, and then crashed into the Pacific Ocean off the coast of Papua New Guinea. And based on the odd direction it came from and the massive speed that it came in at, astronomers speculated it might have come from outside of our solar system. Uh, Because if an object is traveling too fast to get trapped around our sun in orbit, then it must have come from outside our own solar system. But we couldn't tell for sure because the actual speed and angle were a closely guarded military secret. Of course. Of course. And when you hear closely guarded military secret and object from space, again, our minds are going to immediately go to... UFOs. Yeah, and aliens and etc. But the real reason it was a secret is because the speed and and the trajectory of the whatever it was uh, were picked up by an American spy satellite. And it was designed to detect enemy missiles. And the Pentagon wasn't thrilled with the idea that people would learn how accurate their spy tech is. 
Ah, so on the surface, it's the government's covering up alien visitors, but a little bit deeper, it's they just don't want us to know about their military tech. And, and that's so often the case with these stories, that there is a cover-up happening, but the cover-up isn't of aliens, it's often of some brand new tech that they just don't want people to find out about. But since then, the Pentagon's confirmed the speculation that, yep, this thing, it is reasonable to conclude that it came from outside our solar system. But that doesn't mean it's alien tech, it could be natural phenomenon. But that brings us to this story that we're talking about now, because there is a Harvard professor of astrophysics and theoretical physics, Dr. Avi Loeb. And this is a guy who's increasingly becoming vocal about the claim that there's evidence of extraterrestrial life. And he's argued that that first thing that we talked about, Oumuamua, the big cigar, it may have been an alien probe. And this other thing, the beach ball sized one in 2014, may also have been an alien probe. What evidence does he have to suggest it may have been an alien probe? Well, the fact that it came from outside the solar system is fascinating. Like, regardless of where it comes from, if something from outside the solar system is either going past or crashing into Earth, that's amazing. That's an incredible bit uh, of scientific information right there. So there's that. But as far as Oumuamua goes, it had a lot to do with the way it behaved as it went around the sun, that it appeared to pick up speed as it moved away from the sun, which isn't what you would expect. I mean, it, these were genuinely very strange objects. And so it's not completely out of the realm of possibility that somebody might speculate and say, hey, you know, one of the possibilities for these things, if they're behaving strangely, and if they're from outside our solar system, maybe they come from some form of intelligent life. It's not, it's not that far-fetched. Now, can you look at the light from these objects, the, the light being reflected off the sun, do a process called mass spectrometry, mass spectrometry? The first one was right. And look at what's actually in them and, and figure out what compounds are in them, or are they too small for that, too fast for that? Well, I mean, they were moving, they were both moving extremely fast, so there wasn't a lot of time to do that. And with the second one, the 2014 beach ball-sized one, uh, we, we scarcely had any time at all before it crashed into the ocean. But you know what we could do with something that crashed into the ocean? I don't know. We could go get it. Oh, yes. That, that tracks. That does track. And so, because, I mean, Oumuamua, that cigar, it, it's long gone. We can't catch up to that thing anytime soon. But this other object, it crashed here. And so it was out in the ocean somewhere. So this Harvard professor, Dr. Abby Loeb, puts together a team, goes out to the ocean to the estimated area of impact, and looks for it. Wow. I do have one more question before we find out what happened when this doctor went to go look for this object. Uh, if we have not found intelligent life here on Earth, what makes us think we're going to find it out there in the cosmos? Well, I would argue that we have found intelligent life on Earth. I mean, octopus are extremely clever. <laughs> All right. So this professor uh, speculates that this object that hit the Earth may actually be an alien probe, and he's assembled a team, and he's starting the hunt for this thing. And... Despite the fact that the Pacific Ocean, uh, I read this in a book somewhere, is extremely large. I don't know about that. I, I need you to cite your sources on that one. Uh, it was in some kind of book about big oceans. But he claims that they actually found the remains of this beach ball-sized object that crashed into the ocean. And what they discovered were several small metallic spherules, which is like a tiny little sphere, 
And he's arguing that these can only have an extraterrestrial origin because of their shape and physical composition. So this is headline news, and these are the headlines that we have been seeing. But isn't this professor falling victim to what is personally my favorite fallacy, and that's the argument from personal incredulity, which is, for those who have no idea what stupid stuff I'm saying, the argument where I can't think of another way how this happened, therefore, the way I think it happened did happen. And that is not evidence. Just because he's observing these, I'm just going to say spheres, because I can't say that word. Spherules. Sphere, fine, spherule. Just because he's observing them, does that mean that they're made by aliens? Doesn't it just mean that he doesn't know how they were made? Yeah, and this is the problem. And actually, and then the scientific community sort of pumped the brakes on all of this a little bit. And a lot of scientists have argued that these spherules are definitely evidence of an advanced civilization, but that civilization is earthbound and it's humanity because they can be explained as a product of uh, atomic testing in the Pacific, or even something like the, the product of industrial coal ash. So you're saying some schmuck with a boat full of pollution just went to the ocean and dumped it, and now we're just finding that and saying, it's aliens. Well, I mean, if you think about it, we can't go to the Antarctic without finding little bits of microplastic. We have really trashed this place. And so to find weird little metallic spherules, like, well, yeah, I could see how our, our many industrial products could, uh, could create that. and. There's another issue here, too, that's it's confirmation bias as well. I mean, they went to the crash site to look for these things. They should have also looked in other random parts of the Pacific Ocean to see if they're just a common byproduct. And I mean, if you think about it, what are the chances that in the entire ocean, the team found the tiny remnants of that specific beach ball sized meteor that they were looking for? And this is the issue. We often see what we want to be true. And tragically, there's no relationship between what we want to be true and what is true. There is a relationship between what we want to be true and what we believe. And unfortunately, this means that sometimes our desires of what we want lead us away from the actual truth. So column A is something hit the ocean. Column B is I found a little spherule thing that looks cool. There's no connecting evidence to say that those are one and the same necessarily. Yeah, not necessarily. We, we certainly can't leap to that conclusion, especially when we have other hypotheses that are, are far easier to believe. Rather than saying, oh, we found the remnants of this tiny thing that hit the, the massive ocean, we can say, oh, we filled the massive ocean with all of this garbage. Wow. Well, you've rained on my parade. Is there anything to be excited about this? Or like now that we've stripped it away and given a plausible reason why it's not, alien tech is there any reason to be excited about this discovery at all or could it be it's just not extremely strong evidence i'll say not yet there's not yet reason to be excited but i think there's always reason to be excited about aliens because i will say this i firmly believe in the existence of alien life yes but then when i start to drill down i'm sure you're going to say do you believe they have visited us which is the past tense of visited i'm sure do you think that they visited earth I mean, it's a, that's a very different question. The reason that I'm so almost completely certain that there's alien life is because the universe is so massive. The universe is so unbelievably huge, bigger even than the Pacific Ocean. But unfortunately, that's also the reason that it makes it very difficult to believe that they've visited us because of the size and the scope and the distance between the stars. Unless we figure out a way to break this faster than light barrier, you know, and then, and then we could discover that it actually takes a hot second to visit another planet. And the reason we haven't been visited is because there's so many aliens have ever haven't bothered because quite frankly, we seem kind of annoying. Yeah. And that's the hope. And it is entirely possible. I mean, again, a massive universe, maybe somebody somewhere has figured out how to do it just because we haven't because the octopuses haven't doesn't mean that nobody in the universe has. So I still remain hopeful that yes, we're not alone in this 
big empty place. All right. Well, we always talk about reigning on the parade and confirmation bias, and I tried to work in my favorite logical fallacy, the argument from personal incredulity. I feel like there's a better name for that one. Oh, no, that's a fantastic name. That's my favorite one. I can't think of any other way how it happened. Therefore, the way I think it happened is how it happened. Confirmation bias, though. We, we see what we want to see. A small object hits the ocean. The Pentagon says it most likely came from outside our soil. Soiler. Sol- our solar system the pentagon said it most likely came from outside our solar system and so the schmuck goes he's got a harvard degree goes to the ocean and he's like i can definitely find this he finds something interesting in the ocean other scientists are saying hey it could be pollution could be the byproduct of manufacturing who knows what what does this say like what is if a harvard doctor a harvard professor could potentially fall victim to a fallacy like this what does this say about us what does it say about him I think it says something about all of us. And what it says is the power of motivated reasoning. It, it, that's, that's the thing. Because, I mean, science, is, it's an amazing process. It's fantastic. But one of the key parts of science is that you have to try to disprove your hypotheses. Falsifiability. Like the principle of falsifiability, that's what keeps science honest. Yeah. You have to be constantly trying to not just prove your theory, but to also disprove it. And, and this is the hard part because our, we become, even the scientists among us, we become so emotionally attached. And then when you go on, uh, on TV and you do debates and people argue against you and it becomes very personal and it becomes very tied up with your identity, to be able to come out and say, oh, you know, I've changed my mind. The tragedy is that changing your mind when you get new evidence is a sign of strength. It's a sign of wisdom. But we don't tend to treat it that way. We tend to treat it as a kind of weakness to change our mind when we get new evidence. And instead, we dig in our heels and we, we tune out anything that, that goes against what we want to believe. And that's not how science should operate. But unfortunately, uh, the other thing that happens, of course, is the media plays a role in it too. Because which headline is going to get more clicks? Possible evidence of alien life found in ocean or totally normal thing found in ocean? <laughs> And then the media will always drop that possible. Maybe the first honest, you know, reporter, the primary source might write possible, but then the secondary source is like, hey, I'll drop the possible. It's still the same story. And then after it just gets passed around as truth, even though sometimes even these researchers are like, hey, I didn't make the claim. I just said it might be. And then the media is already running with it. And then you know what comes from all those clicks and all that attention is more funding. Mm hmm. And this is where more of the motivation comes in. It isn't just sort of this personal thing that it's tied up in your identity and you don't want to be wrong, but also just from a practical standpoint, Dr. Loeb has been asking for lots of funding for his extraterrestrial investigations. And those kind of headlines, alien life found in ocean, like those are going to get a lot of attention. Those are going to get a lot of, it's going to get a lot of funding. Yeah. And so there's, there's an economic imperative for you to produce clickbait basically it's like we've academia should be immune to clickbait but academia is absolutely not immune to clickbait yeah and, and even sometimes the people doing the research aren't the ones securing the funding and so the people who work on the funding will distort things yep but it can't be cheap to assemble a team and take a ship out to the ocean and start dredging the bottom of the ocean looking for objects i mean that's an expensive pursuit yeah no that sort of stuff costs uh, a fortune and so you're, not, you're only going to be able to do that if you can generate the kind of heat that only comes from hasty conclusions. Hasty conclusions. That's actually not a bad alternate name for this show. Hasty conclusions. I like it. <laughs> 
Um, were you aware of Dr. Loeb before all this? I was because of uh, Oumuamua, because I, I remember he was one of the first people to really come down hard on the idea of like, no, no, this almost certainly could have been an alien probe. And of course, I read a ton of stuff about that because I'm also not immune to clickbait. And so if I read something about Oumuamua is an alien probe, I'm going to get into it because I want it to be an alien probe. You want it to be an alien probe. We all want that. We all want alien probes. We do. We, I mean, no, I mean, not. I've been to the doctor and there's fissures and, and, and hemorrhoids. and that, That's a colonoscopy. That's something else. Okay. That's a different, different thing. That's a, it's a different interview. It's actually an interview I did, but not important. I had a colon. I had a, um, a proctologist on the show. <laughs> um, so I've already been there. In more than one way, because I've been to the doctor for, never mind. Okay, I, I got to stop at some point. I mean, this, this shows that we want there to be alien life. They want there to be alien life. Everybody wants it. But we have to return to that idea that we have to confront that the truth might not be the thing that we want. This kind of is reminding me of, I don't know why, the wow signal from the 70s, from the SETI project, which was a satellite monitoring space for alien radio signals, and they captured an irregular one, which is bound to happen in the noise of space. And it was like legitimately very irregular. It was, it was way more powerful than anything else that they had encountered at that point, and it just sort of appeared to show out of nowhere. Correct. But all it's evidence of is an irregular radio signal from space. Could be a weird foreign object exploding, you know, billions of light years away. Could be a... A pulsar, a quasar, it doesn't, like, I don't, I'm not an astronomer, but it, all it's evidence for is something odd. And so the, the scientists who examined the printout from the satellite or whatever, it was one on one of those, you know, those old printer sheets with the holes on the side. Yeah, the old dot matrix. Yeah, they just circled it and wrote, wow, because I guess they were surprised. Wow, that's an unusual signal. Uh, and then, of course, people latch onto that and say, okay, aliens are messaging us. And it, Because it's so easy. We love a mystery, but we don't like an unsolved mystery we let we want to figure out a mystery and when there's big missing pieces it's very easy to fill in those missing pieces with whatever we want to believe and so a log in a lake can become the Loch Ness monster or an unusual signal on uh that 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 comes from space could be the the sign of an extraterrestrial civilization our our, our brains are amazing things but they do have this capacity to kind of over-patternize, sure. to see meaning where there isn't any meaning. And one thing that we hate to confront is to look at something like the wow signal and say, hey, maybe this is just a thing we don't understand, because how unsatisfying is that? I mean, the whole religions are, are based on our desire to understand, which is a conversation for another day. Um, but even if this, this object were recovered at the bottom of the ocean, uh, it could be a fascinating thing to find out what's the composition of rocks that get flung into our solar system from elsewhere. Like, there could be wonderful, fascinating learnings from this object, even if it's not evidence of extraterrestrial life. It could shake up, you know, maybe there's more of this compound in space than we thought there was, or maybe it interacted with dark matter. I don't know, I'm just making shit up. But uh, the truth of how amazing things can be when they're not sensational, it's, it's never enough for people. Yeah, and that's kind of a tragedy because if there is something, even if it isn't alien-made, if something came from outside our solar system and crashed on Earth, that's amazing. And the stuff that we can learn about it is incredible. And just what that says about our universe and our place in it, it's, it's remarkable. But if it gets buried in all of the sensational stuff, then we lose the, the truly fascinating thing 
that we're maybe learning a tiny little bit more about this giant universe we're in. Well, I'll keep on doing my hunt, which is actually a big motivation for this show uh, to find intelligent life here on Earth. And I guess Dr. Loeb and, and you monitoring Dr. Loeb will continue the search for intelligent life outside of Earth. Yeah, so between the two of us, we'll probably find something somewhere, hopefully. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Are there any? I mean, Dolly Parton, she's pretty great. Yeah, okay. I'll give you that one. Okay. So maybe we do have intelligent life. There's, there's one or two of us. Nathan, it's always a pleasure to have you here. Well, thanks for having me on.